Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show. We're off to Queensland. Well, we're not really, but yeah, the games are off to Queensland. Unfortunately, we can't go the whole travel restrictions and all of that kind of stuff. But hey, um, at least the rugby will be on. Hi, I'm Paul. I'll be your host this evening. Um, I'm hoping that some people are going to enjoy my. I've got some some guests coming along, um, uh, but uh, Stephen Harris always runs late, so I'm expecting him to pop in in a minute or two. Uh, and then we've uh, also got Boa, who unfortunately has been uh, uh, waylaid by a World Rugby Coaches Educator um, forum. So hopefully he will join us later as well. Some of the stuff that we are going to be talking about this evening. Well, we've got uh, we obviously had a. Um, Rugby Championship game at the weekend. I think most people forgot about that, though, with the box playing the Pumas. Um, we've got uh, news about Bledisloe Cup 3 um, and uh, where it's going to be played, when it's going to be played, and who's going to play it as well, um, to a degree. The Rugby Championship and uh, announcements about those fixtures. Um, we've uh, obviously also got the NPC uh, and the Farrah Palmer Cup have both been postponed again as of the uh, Heartland Championship due to... Um, what do you call it? Um, I've gone blank due to uh, the uh, lockdown extension. Um, some uh, provincial rugby news. Uh, we've also got uh, a, an extension for an All Blacks coach. Uh, the uh, Razzie disciplinary hearing Phoenix starts today, apparently. Um, and uh, just thought I'd mention it, something about um, All Blacks jerseys as well. Uh, good evening to Simon, who is in the live chat on YouTube. You can watch the show live on YouTube, Facebook or Twitter, or you can listen to the show as a podcast as well. Let's be honest, most of the stuff is verbal, even though it's done by video. Uh, we don't, um, you can uh, you can also listen to it um, as well um, on that one. And uh, Simon goes, good evening, Paul. Um, they're waiting for the Perth match to confirm, to, to confirm. They're checking with Western Australia government and AFL. Um, we, because um, basically the uh, AFL are holding it in case they have a game um, next weekend. It's the weekend of the 4th. Um, but um, so basically if they if the AFL have to are using the stadium, the uh, rugby can't. So you'd expect basically um, that um, they would uh, have it on a um, uh, on the opposite date, whichever day the AFL aren't using the stadium. So if the AFL is using it on Saturday, they'll play it on Sunday and vice versa is what um, what I um, w- would expect. 
Um, talking um, about lockdowns and levels, and Simon has just checked, and yes, you can play professional sport at uh, level three. Um, that is true, but uh, that comes it does come with a but um, that uh, there is a certain expense around that. A, you don't sell any tickets, um, and B, you've got to put all sorts of um, things in place. So um, uh, that, uh, that would be extra costs. And so the uh, uh, NPC and the Farrah Palmer Cup and the Heartland Championship have already postponed for this weekend. So it will not be happening, um, even if we do go down to level three at the uh, at mid-now on Friday. And one of those reasons, basically, is, is it would just it would be a last-minute decision uh, and we'll be running around trying to get things into place. Um, and also players have not been training either. Um, so by uh, uh, so it would be there's, you've got some welfare issues. We're into day seven now of the lockdown. It'll be nearly two weeks since um, they've had no training. So hence why we wouldn't say why they've already um, checked those ones there. Um, uh, howdy, nocturnal rights um, as, uh, as, as as well. Um, um, and he says, um, check out COVID rants goes mental on YouTube. Uh, maybe not. Um, but uh, good evening, Mr. Harris. How are you doing, sir? Oh, good evening, Paul. I just thought I'd wait till you had a mouthful of food before I actually uh, brought you on. Brought you on yeah, yeah, I know. You got the timing wrong, mate. Uh, listen, good to be on the show. Is uh, normal. Always a privilege and a pleasure. Thank you very much. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so the Farrah so Palmer Cup and the NPC uh, have been, uh, Bunnings NPC, um, and to give it its proper title, um, have been uh, postponed for another week. That's two weeks now, Stephen. How do you think that's going to actually uh, impact them? Do you think that we're going to be able to fit the games in? Uh, do you think we'll have midweek games or they push out the finals a couple of weeks? What's, yeah, your, what's your thoughts on that? Listen, I think they should push it out. I, um, I'm going to say the, the comp pretty much ran through almost all late November last year. So I, I, I really don't I really don't see the hurry. I mean, so I know there's a lot of investment got in from a lot of these unions as well, not just in terms of player salaries but you know they want to give something back to their to their sponsors as well their sponsors and and their supporters uh per se um i'd say without games or the less less games played played it's it's not going to be easy for a lot of these unions um yeah it's not an easy decision um i, I guess one of the problems with pushing it out is you have to pay all the players longer because they wouldn't surf because they need an extra two weeks pay so that's that's that, that's that's part of the budget so um because i i I did see mentioned somewhere that we are looking at that, that there is a chance of midweek games going back to the old storm week that we used to have uh, a couple of seasons ago now. Um, so um, yeah, I, we'll we'll see which way they go. But I do think that they that um, as long as lockdown doesn't go on too much longer, that they will try and um, uh, and, and play all of the uh, the fixtures. If for no other reason than uh, Sky is paid for them. <laughs> and Sky wants the content um, as well. So from that, uh, so so there, there may be issues there around having to pay back um, if uh, uh, money. And the finals are due at the moment on the twenty third of October. So yeah, as you say, they've got about three weeks, three or four weeks to whereabouts the uh, the final was last year. Anything more than that, and it starts getting a little bit late into the year, doesn't it? Really. So we'll have to see. Um, but so yeah, I think if we have too many more weeks, then we'll be we'll, we'll be looking at midweek games. Um, but so it's going to be interesting. I mean, obviously, the Super Rugby managed to hold itself during um, uh, during level three, uh, and I wasn't allowed to go to those games because there wasn't enough uh, 
uh, what's the word, enough um, space for media passes because I think it's maximum 100 people and all that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see if the level three rules stay the same um, and whether we're able to go to those games as media or not. Um, we'll have to see um, at that. Um, not Super Round, I don't think we'll have a Super Round in the same way that um, NRL do, which where they have all the games in one place. But I do think we will have probably what they call Storm Week, where you have uh, two games in a week. So play, play a bunch of games on Wednesday and Thursday night or Tuesday, Wednesday night is my uh, is my guess. But it's all guesswork, isn't it, Stephen? Yeah, um, very, very, very much so. I mean to say, we're pretty much bounded by whatever this, whatever the number of cases that come out of out of COVID. I mean, it's at the least cases each day. If we, if we if it's trending downwards, then maybe there's the opportunity to kickstart the competition ASAP. But I, yeah, I, you know, I don't see it happening obviously this weekend, and I don't see it happening next weekend as well, Paul. Yeah, uh, there's, it, it depends on how quickly it comes down. Because, well, I mean, one of the problems we're going to have is that, uh, let's be honest, Auckland is already through to Tuesday next week. And uh, let's be honest, I don't think anyone's expecting I, I think everyone's expecting that to be uh, elongated as well. And you think that North Harbour, Auckland and Counties Manukau would all be under that umbrella. Um, I'm assuming all Counties Manukau would be. Uh, so all those three would be under that umbrella. So, they, so you're taking three teams out of the competition. So... Do you let the other teams continue while those teams are and those teams have to make it up later? Again, we'll have to see what they do uh, and how they handle that one as well, because that, that is also a problem. Because, yeah, those teams have not suddenly run out. Well, unless they're all in batches in the Coromandel, um, the, um, they're all, the, the, as far as I'm aware, they're all still, or quite a lot of them will still be back in Auckland. I think, I think the other problem for a lot of these, these teams or squads as well is obviously they can't train as a group. I suppose yeah. you can go down the road and individually do some do some training at a local park on your own per se if that's if that's allowed um but in terms of any sort of team team content yeah you're, you're pretty much buggered but i suppose if, if anything everybody's all in the same boat yeah no exactly yeah and so i mean someone here says northland will have a problem as well uh well i mean last lockdown for example um we were able to, with, with the media pass, travel out of Auckland in because of being essential workers, uh, we're allowed to travel into Northland for games. So I think Northland would be, if, if as long as they were at a different level, they would be fine. But it'd be down to that. As far as training goes, um, uh, there's a Julian Sevilla has done a has done a video of his training, of running up and down his driveway, which is apparently quite quite um, quite steep, um, and then also running up and down the street, doing speed work. So yeah, look, they they are doing. Obviously, they they are trying to uh, keep fit. But the problem is there's no contact training uh, during this time. And that's the big thing, uh, which is why I think previously when we came out of lockdown, they said they needed a minimum of two weeks. But that was obviously a three-month lockdown. This is a much shorter one. So we'll have to wait and see how that kind of plans out. I suppose the big thing for players, Paul, is keeping some sort of pattern or training training regime just to not just keep your own, I suppose, peace of mind or mental health. Uh, ticking over, but just really keeping that body body active. Uh, you know, there's, like, there's probably only so much running running you can do. I would imagine you'd probably have to to, to mix mix it up quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I think when we're just under under normal circumstances, players get to do do their normal things. They can mix it up. You know, that that might be something as simple as I don't know, just just heading off to do something completely different, heading off to heading off to a park or heading off to a an activity where there's a lot of people around. So, 
yeah, that's going to be a, a challenge for for a lot of players. Yeah, look, I mean, some some player, I mean, someone like Julian Sadea, who let's be honest, who's had a is a, a, a very good All Blacks career already, uh, and uh, you'd expect someone like him, uh, an older, experienced, some richer player. Let's be blunt about this, to have his own weight set up or have some sort of home gym, whereas your nineteen year old, um, just out of school. Um, someone like a say a Rivers Rehana, um, who uh, doesn't have a Super Rugby contract, you'd think that someone like him, um, or a uh, I'm trying to think of any other one of the sort of younger uh, players wouldn't have those things at home. So whilst they can run, they can't do any of the weight stuff. So they'll lose they'll lose muscle mass. So um, I, I guess part of that mad rush um, should have been um, the. Um, the, the provinces, uh, the high performance sections of the provinces, making sure that each player had some had like resistance bands, maybe a couple of dumbbells, some sort of weights, just so they can they they can do it. I um, mean, one of the fun things we had last lockdown last year was uh, I remember one of the black ferns was uh, um, lifting sheep uh, on, on on a farm. That, 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 that was her. <laughs> that was part of her weights work, um, which which shows she's way way stronger than I am for a start. Yeah, that's yeah. My weights work in terms of this. Yeah, from table to now. You've got that mastered, I've got to say, Paul. The uh, yes, oh, down to a T, down to a T. Look, I, I can, I can even do it both hands. There you go, both sides. Ambidextrous uh, beer drinking. Um, so that, that's the uh, look. Um, unfortunately, look, some, some of it had to, had to be cancelled. I've seen that um, County's Manicow cancelled some uh, age grade stuff that hadn't quite finished. Uh, unfortunately. Um, but so uh, yeah, so unfortunately, some rugby has had to be cancelled in that one. But um, unless you've got anything else for that one, I think we'll move on to some uh, some of the sort of international and more professional rugby. No, no not not really. I suppose there, there might be an upside for uh, uh, maybe a couple of unions. Any uh, unions that have had a lot of entries, and I probably speak of the union that I support myself. <laughs> I know they had a, a lot of uh, players in the um, basically in the injury injury ward, so to so to speak. So maybe for them, an extra two or three weeks may not be a bad thing. But on saying that, like you say, Paul, um, yeah, this is when uh, wages or even in, in a case of how much your your whole salary uh, cap has cost is a real big problem for unions. Yeah, they, they are run on a very, very tight budget. They're not, uh, yeah, there is not much ex- excess cash um, floating around in provincial rugby, I can tell you. Um, so uh, yeah, at the weekend, we did have a rugby championship game. The box played the Pumas. Um, congratulations to the box to get, getting the win uh, in that one. Um, I don't think they got the bonus point. Um, no, but no, some, just, the, just uh, two late tries, I think, Paul. But they did. They did get. So they did get the win on that one, which is uh, so. Congratulations to them. Look, first half knocks over penalties, took a fifteen-three lead, um, built that lead. Let score more pressure take 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 uh, take um, effect in the second half. Scored a couple of nice tries um, and. Um, yeah, you got to say, yeah, w- w- um, very professional game, well played, uh, and actually a nicer, <laughs> a nicer game to watch than the Lions games, which were <laughs> which, which were horrible. So yeah, a bit more rugby in this one, uh, oh. and um, a much a much more enjoyable game to watch. Oh. oh, very much so. And I saw this game, and, and once again, just basically all down to dominance. Quite happy to take the three points when it when it's on offer. I suppose the disappointing thing for for me, Paul. When there were times where they actually had opportunities of second, third phase ball to just move that ball a little bit wider, but you, you know, you look, the likes of Pollard still went for high kicks and really in that last sort of 
15 minutes or so, you know, it's fair to say that um, the Argentinians had, had probably more of the ball and but didn't ask a lot of questions of the South African the South African defence, in my opinion, and they only really picked up that try very well after the hoot, wasn't it? Um, yeah. That, that they picked up, and that, that, to me, was a really disappointing thing. Like, you know, I get that they're the number one team at the, in the world at the minute, and they're, they're playing a, a particular style, but boy, you know, I think if you're given an opportunity to develop your game, I think you should take it as well, given some of the quality outside finishes they've got. Oh, that, that, that to me is the most, most disappointing. If, if they didn't have Colby and Mapimpi out wide, I wouldn't mind them doing what they're doing. I, but uh, but because they have you, like, oh, please, um, use them. Um, I had a question on Twitter, actually, talking since we're talking about this one, and Richard goes, I'm not convinced about DMAC at fullback, especially versus the kick-happy Springboks. Um, what are your thoughts on that one? Do you think, are you, uh, clean? clearly he is, the he's been the first choice um, 15 or first choice fullback so far this season for Ian Foster. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, he'll get pinpointed. And it's nothing personal. It's just got to do with his high sits. The old the old adage, you know, a good good tall man will beat a big, a good small man. Although Chesna Colby gets off the ground <laughs> unbelievably well. And we, we know DMAC can get off the ground. I'm not too sure if he's if he's consistently good at taking the high ball once he actually leaves, leaves the ground. No question, he's a talented footballer, but me personally, if I was playing the Springboks, I would actually start with Geordie Barrett. Yep. Yeah, uh, uh, I think I think I'm the same inside Simon. Yeah, he sees DMAC as a uh, as a utility player rather than a, a fullback. Well, I don't know. I think that's, that's perhaps a bit harsh, but um but against a side that is so good under the high ball, yeah, that's I think horses for courses might be in order um for that one. You've got to, I think Paul if you you think back to when was it? Oh, 2009, when the Springboks had their last dominance, and a lot of that dominance once again was on on the back of the of the of the bomb squad game. And it it sort of you think back to when the All Blacks were finally able to to, to basically devise a plan to defuse it. They actually really went they went with a back three that was pretty much. Um, if I think back at the time, you had the likes of I think they used Richard Kahui and. Um, there was Israel Dag, and I just forget who the other player was, but they were, Corey Jane, yeah, and they were all really good under the under the high ball. So you immediately diffused that game. But on saying that, you don't want to totally lose that balance of of attack um, as well. Yeah, and no, it's going to be interesting to see to see how that uh, how that combination is. I mean, I wouldn't um, uh, I, I wouldn't be unhappy with the uh, yeah, I mean, Geordie Dmac. And uh, even sort of like a like a George Bridge or something like that, or a um, who are all kind of fullbacky kind of players. Uh, but I can, but obviously, Severus Reese uh, looks like he's the uh, the guy on the left wing at the moment. I've gone blank. Who's the guy on the right wing um, in the last game? Was it Will Jordan? Well, I think Will, Will, Will Jordan, Jordan. That's it. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. I, I would be I, I wouldn't mind having sort of Will Jordan on the left, um, uh, uh, Dave McKenzie on the right wing, and Jordy Barrett at fullbacks. Honestly, but uh, <laughs> against the Springboks, but uh, I can't see them going that way. Um, but so uh, yeah, I think we'll we'll see. We'll I think we'll but I think we will see a Will Jordan on the right wing because of that. Talking of sort of all black selections, um, it looks like the Bledisloe Cup is going to be not this weekend but next weekend in Perth. Um, we're waiting on AFL to decide when the when the stadium's available. Um, but um, uh, I, I've heard reports that uh, 
Sam Whitelock and um, Aaron Smith will uh, probably not be traveling as they both got young kids um, or both that or both got partners who are imminent to uh, to give birth. Um, I've also heard that Richard Mwanga might miss that game as well. Now, if you've got uh, Sam Whitelock and Aaron Smith missing, those are basically the guys who were captain for the last <laughs> uh, the last couple of games this year. Um, who would be your third captain of the season? For the I, would have, I would imagine you'd probably be looking at somebody like Cody Cody Taylor. Probably probably comes to mind. Has um, he? Has he ever? Comp I mean, has he ever? Um, has he, has Cody Taylor ever captained um, uh, the uh, Crusaders or Canterbury? Well, he, he has. He was the. I think he was the skipper of uh, of the Crusaders um, this year, and I think that was he might have been the skipper in the. Actually, it might have been Scott, in, in both competitions. I thought Scott Barrett was captain this year. I think he got it. I think Barrett might have got an injury. And was oh, okay. So I think uh, Cody Taylor took over the the um, captaincy of, of of the team. Um, yeah, you kind of look through the rest of the rest of the team. I mean, I say you could bring in Patrick Tupolotu, who's the Blues captain, but no, I, I don't. I don't really see it. I, th I probably see Scott Barrett coming in as. Um, as um, as Sam Whitelock's replacement, so he'll he'll definitely he'll definitely be playing. And I kind of look at the other options. No, I I, I couldn't pay, go past either Cody Taylor or or in fact Scott Barrett. Um, the I, the other person, um, I mean, Audi Surveyor is another person who could be captain. Uh, TJ Perinara has been captain for the uh, the Hurricanes. I'm not a fan of that one. Um, on the grounds that he tends to talk too much to the referee and think he has too much license when he does that. Um, Dane Coles, depending on who starts, if they rotate, because uh, lots of talk about rotation for this game, uh, is another person that could. Uh, so, yeah, those are all people that um, that could do. But, yeah, a lot of people are talking about Cody Taylor uh, in particular on that one. Well, Turner Wright says Aaron Smith. No, I've said Aaron Smith is a player who's not going. Uh, he's rumoured not to be going um, on that one. Um, interesting one. Apparently, there's been some uh, stats analysis on the loose trio uh, and saying that um, uh, Kiriwani doesn't make enough tackles and Sevilla misses too many. And Papi Lee, he is used too much as a tackler. Look, um, when you think about the balance of the first choice uh, back row, basically, when you have Sam Kane in there, that is Sam, Sam Kane is a 15 tackles a game guy. He, <laughs> um, so this idea of Papi Lee being used too much as a tackler. Well, that's kind of the role he's being asked to refill because he's been asked to replace Sam Kane, who is a monster tackler. That's where he that's where he does a lot of his work. Yeah. Um, and that's the that's the balance that they're looking for. So. Um, uh, so, yeah, so it is it is what it is. Uh, yes. I mean, we've always talked about Akira Wani's work that uh, uh, work rate is his issue and also staying and uh, and concentration, staying in the game and not losing his head. Um, but um yeah, I don't know. It's the it's something I need to work on and still. And but uh, there's a change to how, if you think about the um, Richard McCaw, Kieran Reed, um, Kano combination. Kano did a lot of that uh, clearing and tackling work, um, and Kieran Reed uh, and um, Richard McCaw was over the ball. Sam Kane, the the balance between this three is that Sam Kane has a lot more tackling and doesn't do as much over the ball. Um, he still does quite a bit. But that, that balance is different um, than that. So, yes, um, the um, 
Nocturnal Wright says, yeah, that Sevilla's best game last year was with Kane and Frizzell. Yep. Um, I think some Kane and, and um, Ardy Sevilla do do well with each other. But at the moment, um, Frizzell cannot be putting on a black jersey. No. Sorry. No. no. That bridge, in fact, they might have even burnt that bridge. Let's hope not for his sake. But uh, the other the other issue that Frizzell's got, he's, um, he's given uh, Akira Ioani a, a real opportunity and if Ioani can get consistency into his game it's going to be hard for Frizzell to come back anyways Absolutely and um, Boa good to have you to join us hope your uh, World Rugby uh, conference call was uh, was interesting and uh, um, and good for you Well it was it was look uh, my apologies it was a bit of a last minute thing with the current prevailing situation with the lockdown you know, uh, just making sure that uh, everyone is up to speed with any potential return to play protocols. So from a coach educator's point of view, that's, that's really important. So although uh, it was a sort of last moment thing, uh, you know, we went over some very critical stuff, particularly to do with health and safety. Uh, so that was interesting stuff. But hey, great to be on the show. And uh, yeah, I agree with Stephen Harris. Uh, I think uh, Frizzell just put a line through his name pretty much. Mm-hmm. And uh Looking at, uh, I think it was what, 54 post-contact meters for uh, Akira Ioane uh, in his last game at number six. I think pretty much played himself into a permanent starting spot. Hopefully, he can build on that. One thing I have to say with Akira is uh, he's a lot more uh, faster off the, the, the starting blocks. Yeah. Uh, that is very, very evident. So, he's obviously put a lot of work into it. And of course, he's very good at getting on the outside shoulder of the defender in that wide tram line. So I think that's the key difference he brings to the game. Whereas guys like Frizzell, I've always noticed they tend to run inwards on an angle and bring in that inside shoulder into contact. So I think that's the key differentiation um, Akira Ioane presents to this all-black back row. Almost. And if you're looking at going to say, Paul, almost a Kieran Reid style, in fact, that Akira's brought to his game. But the difference is probably with the greatest respect to the ex-All Black captain, a lot more pace on that that outside. Just before we go to you, Paul, uh, Bo, I was going to say, what we've learned this evening, though, is Paul is very proficient on both hands. The right hand, <laughs> he's got it. Ambidextrous. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely mastered. Got, got, got the conditioning work down. Um, and actually, look, I, we, we, we did talk uh, before you came on, we talked about NBC and, and Farrah Palmer a couple of ways. So I don't want to go into in a lot of detail, but one of the things we mentioned was that, uh, yeah, that, 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 that when rescheduling, that because the players have not trained for two weeks, that uh, there's going to be a time, there's going to be perhaps a, a time that they need to train to, to get back up to speed. Uh, I, I guess that's something they've talked about. So, so on the return to play pro- 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 very briefly, I guess, what is the period after lockdown gets finished that we can actually get back into playing rugby? Well, it's 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 a phased-in period, particularly with senior rugby. At, at elite level, it's, it's a different situation. They're looking at anywhere between five to seven days. Uh, okay. s- senior rugby, particularly at grassroots, we look at uh, some of the scientific uh, data we've gathered over the year and a half. What, what, what are some of the key uh, potential injury-prone muscle groups, what are some of the movements we need to be doing. So there's this, you know, there's a whole raft of stuff around strength and conditioning, also skills. 
something I have worked on with a group of coaches I mentor is that we try and work on our individual skills, what we call soft skills. For example, I'm a huge fan of catching the ball with your fingertips. So, for example, but, but, yeah, individual. For obviously, I mean, obviously, in New Zealand, at the moment, we haven't got there's, there's not much grassroots rugby going on because it's the end of the club season, and so it's mainly high performance. But you're saying with high performance, we could be back up and running with the NPC in five to seven days after the the lockdown finishes. So we're not looking at like a two week period that was talked about previously um, before because it's obviously a shortened lockdown. Um, so so okay, that, that that was basically where we were. Twelve to fourteen off. days, ideally twelve to fourteen days before we transition into contact. At elite professional level. At elite professional. Okay, so folks, if you if you if you think we've already missed two weekends, the chances of uh, of uh, MPC and Farrah Palmer Cup games the weekend of Bledisloe Cup, so the fourth of September weekend, is unlikely because that's uh, because that's uh, for, that's um, that's uh, ten to fourteen day thing. Um, and remember, it's got to be level two, minimum level two. No, I, I thought I thought professional rugby could return at level three. No, level two. It has to be level two. That's those are the guidelines which we've been presented with locally. Oh, okay, interesting. Because um, uh, Super Rugby, but I guess and the money and uh, the training and the facilities around Super Rugby is different to MPC. Um, so there you go, Simon, who was checking up on that earlier that it was he he, he believes level three, but it's level two, folks. So yeah, so yeah, we're a while away. It could change. Right now, that's what the government oh. has given. I think uh, I think one of the things we can say is that uh, everything can change. <laughs> what we <said. laughs> and we've seen that um, in the scheduling of the Bledisloe Cup and the Rugby Championship, um, as what has been up, um, what, what has been said, and what has been uh, and, and what, what what has been the truth one day isn't necessarily the truth the next day, um, and that keeps changing on a regular basis, either because uh, people's perception of truth changes or because. What we understand, or because things have been been arranged and organised. Um, so yeah, so Perth next weekend. Um, but between Steve and I, we thought that uh, Cody Taylor, um, Scott Barrett, Ardi Surveyor, perhaps TJ Perinara are the are the most likely um, All Blacks captains. With Aaron Smith and Sam Whitelock not travelling, or unlikely to travel at this stage. As I say, everything's up for change. Um, your thoughts on All Blacks captain? I'd go Ardi Surveyor. I think for me, it's a very easy, uh, straightforward pick. Uh, particularly because you know he's starting to play himself into form, and I always like to, uh, from a from a personal coaching point of view, I always want to see a back row forward as a skipper, uh, because I think whenever the All Blacks have had uh, a forward, particularly a back row forward as captain, we've always had real menacing sides which had a lot of mana. So that, that, that's a bit of a, a, a personal preference, a, a personal bias to as to who. But uh, again, you know, guys like TJ Perinara, wonderful candidates, wonderful ambassadors. Uh, but yeah, I'd go with Adi. Okay, Cody Taylor seems to be the favourite online, but we'll we'll see. I've always been a fan of second rows being uh, captains because they're higher than the other person and can. And when it's the coin toss, they can look down and go, oh, "I'm the boss." That's that's a good angle. Like uh, I mean, you look at the Colossus, Alan Vin Jones. You know, no one's no one's taller than the guy. So you look, you look at the Lions, Alwyn Jones. Prior to that, we had Paul O'Connell. Um, okay, we also had the the Welsh skipper on blank as the, the the flank was in there. But before that, with Martin Johnson, um, Martin Johnson, William, yeah, William John McBride. Hey, look, it's historically Lions Test captains are locks because of that. <laughs> that's right. Um, no, but uh, I mean, like I said. 
I, I just feel, if we, you know, we, we look at some of our best uh, back row forward slash captains, uh, you know, Buck Shelford, um, and then, you know, recent past Kieran Reid. I think there's, there's a bit of a trend there. And uh, I just I just feel that the All Blacks as a team and as a culture respond very well to that, hence me stating that. I was about, um, I was about to say, though, boy, there was a guy, guy by the name of, he was a very good referee as well. Um, what's his name? Played in the front row. Sean Fitzpatrick. He was a pretty good captain and referee as well. <laughs> He still is, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, so we're expecting that. Then we have the Rugby Championship in Queensland now. That's where it's going to be. Now, I'm happy it's in Queensland rather than Europe because the time zone for watching it is going to be better um, for us in New Zealand. Um, but I must admit, I was saying last week I thought it was that Europe I thought was going to be the most likely place, but um, clearly I got them wrong. Um, happy to put my hand up about that. Uh, the... And we're looking at double headers, folks. So it's the Sunday followed by three Saturdays. So we have five weeks of rugby confirmed pretty much, um, which is great to see. Now, everybody's kicking off that um, that uh, these are going to be double headers and that the 100th test between the All Blacks and the Springboks will be a warm-up game for the Wallabies versus um, Argentina and they should be put, put the other way around. I'm like, guy, oh, come on. It's not. There's not a warm-up game and a... Uh, and 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 the kind of top game or build game when we're talking about um, the rugby championship. I think people are getting their knickers in a twist on Facebook. Or do you do you think that uh, it would be wrong to play the hundredth test ahead of a um, Wallabies versus Pumas test on the same day at the same stadium? I'm not that fast to be honest. It's 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 another what is it? It's another it's another fifty by one twenty paddock somewhere. And it's to me, it's it, it, it's 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 irrelevant. Yeah, sure, it would have been nice to have had it as a special occasion, either in New Zealand or South Africa, would have been the right place. But the real the, the reality is, these are these are different times, and it is what it is. Yeah, I I, I tend to uh, agree with you, Stephen. And one thing I have to say is this whole thing about you know uh, when the All Blacks when their participation and there was a lot of uncertainty. My word. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry, every man and his dog came online and started taking pot shots, saying the All Blacks are chicken, uh, you know, blah 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 blah, and all this. Now all of a sudden, they've got their wish. The All Blacks are playing. Hmm, things just got quite interesting. But I have to say, this will be a real test for the All Blacks because historically, historically, the Sunshine State, particularly in Brisbane, hasn't proved uh, hasn't proved uh, a very fruitful venue. So. Given that uh, we'll be basing ourselves over there, <clears throat> this will be, uh, you know, th there's a funny old saying, um, stats and damn lies, stats and damn lies. <laughs> but, but the reality is statistically, uh, Queensland hasn't been a, a, happy, hunt, a, a happy hunting uh, arena for the All Blacks. So this will kind of, uh, you know, I just feel it'll be, be a bit of a test, uh, but I'm with Stephen. It doesn't matter so long as the Springboks and the All Blacks meet each other. Finally, finally, we can put an end to all this bickering and all this bitching and moaning on the oh, side. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll, we'll have an answer for about half an hour, and then the bickering and, and, and backbiting will back, back some, we'll, we'll go all over again. Uh, so no, there's, there's, it will not stop the bickering. But uh, but yes, we will have. It will just give something more for us to bicker about. 
is, is or more for them to bicker about online. You I know, think is more the you know, you know, more I, think the I think the good thing, I think that I think this game will hopefully bring the best out of these two sides. I think they'll I think they might, you know, the All Blacks will basically they aren't gonna play the Springbok style. They, and I think they will actually force the Springboks to play some rugby, even even more so. If we think back to that that um, round robin game in the World Cup where the All Blacks got ahead, and I thought at the end of the day they comfortably got across the line. But if you think back to that second half, it actually forced the Springboks to actually play some rugby. And you know, all of a sudden the ball started getting in the hands of Cheslin, Cheslin Colby, people like that, and they started they started making some headway. So I actually think the All Blacks actually bring the best out of the Springboks, and sometimes in a lot of cases, vice versa. Yeah, no, yeah, you're, I mean, I, it's if you, no you, you need to get ahead against Africa, their, their, their entire game game style and plan is around being ahead and then just squeezing the game. So yeah, you have to get ahead first. Yeah, no question. I mean, style. It's it's like in boxing, you know, styles makes fights. Mm. It's that classical Ali Liston's, you know, Foreman Ali sort of, you know, two different styles. Um, one thing I do have to say is, uh, I was just looking at some numbers, and I apologize, I haven't got all of them in front of me. Uh, the ball live in play over the last three to four weeks, it, it's, it has been abysmal, particularly when the box are playing. Now, this, I'm, I'm not trying to have a crack at the box here, but I'm just stating facts. Uh, the last game against the Argentina Pumas, the ball was live in play for less than 22 minutes. So that's just about a quarter and a bit more. So for three quarters, stop, start, ball, you know, ball's not live. It's, it's either scrum, reset. And also, here's a very interesting statistic. The last uh, British Low Cup game where the Wallabies got absolutely hammered by 57 points, uh, scrum resets took up to 19 and a half minutes. That's right, 19 and a half minutes for scrums to stop, start, and reset. The first stoppage in play, which was uh, 39 seconds on the clock, which is that knock-on where it was a potentially a... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. High shot on Damien McKenzie. Um, there was a scrum awarded to the Wallabies. The, the scrum actually was over at two minutes and 41 seconds. So for almost two plus minutes, we were packing, resetting, packing, resetting scrum. So this is one area I think uh, is, is a bit of a, a, a real struggle and a real ISO. Uh, World Rugby are trying all their tricks in the book, trying to change rules, bring new things, but we haven't solved the obvious elephant in the room, which is scrum reset. So this sort of thing will actually favor the Springboks because, as you know, they are world beaters at playing um, thriller minute rugby. Not. Um, whereas with, with with the All Blacks, you know, it's it's all about keeping the ball live in play. Yeah. Um, you know, <clears throat> uh, average test ball live in play is usually about 32 minutes. Whenever the All Blacks play and when they score 40 plus points, it's about 41 and a half minutes. So you can see about 11 and a half minutes more, the ball stays live in play. That's because they like to play with, they like to keep the ball alive, put phases together and also counterattack. So there's a bit of a pattern here. How all this is going to play out in uh, Brisbane is is yet to be seen. However, there is a third wheel which I need to talk about, and that is going to be the refereeing. So hopefully, we can put all these little kinks out of the way. We get a, a, a good magical formula, less whistle, less stop-start, scrum resets, more ball live in play. If that does happen, I think it's going to be a very, very predictable tale. All Blacks will romp home very, very comfortably. Well, well, I was going to say, LB, we're not being big-headed, but then, um, but then Bowen goes and says, "Romp home, big-headed, romp, romp home easily." Um, so was, before that, Stephen was no, saying, "No, no, no." So that's that's what the statistics suggest. <laughs> Whenever it's a stop-start, stop-start, yep. that's when it favours the Springboks. So those yep. are okay. those are facts. LB, what, what Stephen was saying earlier was that basically the, the two sides bring the best out of each other. And we should see good games. I, I don't see how that was big-headed. Um, so yeah, no, it'll be good. Um, well, well, we're looking forward to it. Two best teams in the world going head to head should be an absolute um, an, an absolute cracker uh, for that. So, really looking forward um, to those games. Um, as I say, pers- um, so look, there has been a whole bunch of chat online. You're quite right, Simon, about the All Blacks versus Rhodesia. Obviously, folks, Rhodesia being the old name for Zimbabwe. I'll be honest, I've got a clue about that game as to who won or who didn't. <laughs> no, we and I don't really care back in 1947, to be honest. So I've just ignored that talk. Um, the uh, um, Aaron apologises. He was watching the uh, 1996 game between uh, the All Blacks and South Africa, which is why he was late. Um, perhaps he could go back and watch the uh, 1921 game that was held in Kensborough um, as well, the first one between the All Blacks and South Africa. I don't know. I'm assuming there isn't any footage of that one, unfortunately. Uh, but, um, wow, it would be, be an interesting one to go and um, go to, to go and do. Good question, Aaron. Aaron's saying, I'm guessing the referees will be all Australian for all the games. I haven't got a clue on that one. I don't know if any of the international referees are travelling for it. Um, you'd think with two test matches back-to-back, that's six officials. And that's probably more... I, I mean, does Australia have six plus a, plus a couple of spares uh, international-level officials? I, would, I wouldn't have thought no, so. It, it, so, for first up, it'll be between either Angus Gardner or Nick Berry. Yep, that's right. Nick Berry, the greatest referee in the world, according to Rassi Rasmus. 
Uh, it's going to be one. Of, it's going to be. It's going to be between one of these two. Uh, now, here's the interesting thing. Nick Berry is a former Queensland Reds player playing in Queensland, and number of times this has come up because if you recall, uh, the Reds got up against the Brumbies in Super Rugby Australia, and there was a lot of banter and internet memes that. Uh, you know, uh, the Reds winning formula for Super Rugby AU was playing at home. And, uh, and obviously, the referee, I mean, all this is allegedly. Uh, so, no, they don't have an endless line of referees at that level to sit on the international panels between uh, those two gentlemen. But with the rest of the championship, I think there will be a, a whole bunch of WR elite panel referees, elite panel, that's right, elite panel referees coming in, they'll go through the quarantine process, they'll live in a biological bubble, and I think that, that will get sorted out eventually. Quick yeah, question, where, where is Angus Gardner? I've not, not seen him running around this year. Has, has he been injured? He, I think I think he was on leave for a little while. I'm not entirely sure what the situation is. Lovely guy, Angus, you know, he's uh, uh, a typical referee. He's like a walking encyclopedia. Um, He's always right. And of course he is. Angus Gardner takes a lot of flack. Uh, I mean, and, and um, Cornflake called, used to call him um, Angus Gardner uh, because of the number <laughs> But when there was that anonymous uh, poll of all Super Rugby players in New Zealand to vote for the best Super Rugby referee, Angus Gardner was number one. So the players, the players appreciate, think, think he's a good ref. That, that, that's got to be a good start. That's why I said he knows everything. I meant yeah. it as a compliment. <laughs> well, well, we, we know we, we, it, it, we so rarely hear you compliment referees. We just thought it was sarc sarcasm. Um, <laughs> no, he's a great ref, I have to say. He's very clear. He's good level of communication, good sense of humor. Um, and, you know, he, he's fit and he positions himself in the right place. And uh, rightly so. Players have a lot of respect for the guy and long may that continue. Yeah, you know that the really good referees look like they're having having fun. You know, you look at Nigel Owens; looks like he's always having having a good chuckle, good banter with the players. But you know, gets to work when he needs to get to work. Um, probably Craig Jabeur was a, was another referee like that. Looked looked look to be having fun. It's funny how the, the really good referees do stand out as guys that are not only having fun but are great communicators. Yeah, I mean, a good, a really good example was uh, Peter Marshall, the the former Australian referee, yeah. someone who I've I had a lot of time for, and uh, you know, he, was, uh, he 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 commanded respect. He had the right amount of chatter. He didn't try to lecture you or you know talk you to death, uh, yeah. and he understood that it wasn't about him and his whistle. It was about the players and it was about the audience, the spectators who watched the game, and players were very respectful. You know, it was yes sir, no sir, and off they go. And, I, and I've got to say, uh, some, a group of referees that I really enjoy uh, enjoy watching is, is, and I think Wayne Barnes, you know, despite what a lot of people think about Wayne Barnes, I think he's a great referee. And he looks like he's having fun. He's got great bent. He's got great banter with the player players, you know. And, and there's also a, a young referee, a couple of young referees that are running around in the, in the Gallagher Premiership. That are really good. You might you may have mentioned one of those referees on our on our chat um, board, but boy, they, they've got some good young guys that are really good, good crystal clear communicators um, when they when they are officiating games. Look, you, Steve, I mean, you hit the nail right on that. I think there's a really good crop of understudy uh, at that first class. So I think uh, the, the person you're talking, uh, I would mention, was Luke Pierce. 
I have a lot of time for the young man. Great communicator. Um, and, you know, players have a lot of respect. He's very clear with his goals. He doesn't try to lecture people uh, too much. Uh, you know, he understands it's not about himself. He lets, you know, decent amount of advantage. And he's very clear with his goals. And, and you know, he, he engages his uh, touch judges, they call assistant referees now. Uh, so I think that's that's really what we need. We need good communicators. We need people who get the basics right. I think one yes. of the key issues in in rugby is that you know we're dealing with a, a, a you know ever changing, complicated set of rules, and uh, you're making me thirsty for. Um, yes. and, and 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 this is and this is where the issue is. So look, we have some really good referees. Uh, the the what's what I call understudy level. I think these lovely. Men and women need to be given an opportunity and we should blood them into Tesla because the reality is we've had far too many people make far too many basic errors and we just keep promoting them over and over and over again. And, we, you know, we see the same errors pop up. So I think it's time we just came up, cleaned up that whole mess. And, uh, you know, it, it has to be merit-based because if players and coaches make mistakes at the elite level, I guarantee you they'll be dropped very next um, game. Oh, you know, it's it's an incredible thing that uh, if you asked me a year ago who were the top three New Zealand referees, I probably would have said Ben O'Keefe, Paul Williams, and and then, dare I say it, Brendan Pickerel. But right at this moment, like you could almost flip that flip that on its head and make Pickerel your, your top whistleblower in, in in New Zealand. And he's he's not really my cup of tea, I've, I've got to say. I think O'Keefe has the potential to be the, the best whistleblower in this country. I'm not totally sold on Paul Williams to be totally honest. I think he misses misses a, a lot of stuff. So uh, it's it's an area of the game in New Zealand that there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, look, the the, the very simple uh, you know, the simple fact to all this is you know, refereeing, referee education, uh, ongoing training, it's just too complicated. I think uh, as you know, as a as a world rugby educator, my view of it is that we're, we're, we're not focusing on the simple core basics of the game. If we get that right, and if we get the very simple calls right, the core part of the game, we, you know, we're not going to have too many issues. It's just that the most obscure of laws tend to be picked on and tend to be amended, and all these new elves, you know, experimental law variations, depending on the competition, every year there's something coming in. And this is to do with game development. But again, game development is looking at all the obscure areas. Now, I, I, I mentioned prior, uh, you know, the scrum resets took almost 20 minutes, one quarter in the last bed. I mean, it's ridiculous. Every year there's some change to do with scrums. Now, if you recall, there was one scrum, where I think accidentally the ball just popped out from the All Blacks uh, uh, scrum and it straight went into David Harvey. Now that to me is really, that's how simple it should be. It should be one, two, three, engage, put the ball in, you drive straight. And if you, if you drop it or if you stand up, you get a warning. Second time it happens, it's a penalty. It's pretty simple. But every so, year we no, see... No, no, clearly showing he's a, he's a, backs, a backs coach, not a, not a scrimmaging coach who would... Uh, <laughs> but anyway, look, um, I just want to move on from that kind of stuff. Uh, just on last thing, referees, though, uh, Razzie's def um, discipl disciplinary hearing apparently starts today. Um, so uh, so, oh, so fun and games when we hear the result of that or how long it will take for that um, to um, uh, to come out. But um, 
we will uh, we'll have to wait and see on that one. My personal opinion, I think Razzie should be getting a ban from all forms of rugby for a set period, just to, to make a very clear line. But I think the uh, World Rugby has let that um, uh, let that horse bolt. The other big news story today is the re-signing, not resigning, of Ian Foster for two more years. Um, so, uh, look, for, to me, it's, well, whether you agree with it or not, um, I think it was an absolute no-brainer, uh, or absolutely the unsurprising, not no-brainer. Uh, it was a very unsurprising thing that it was going to happen. We all knew it was going to happen. Um, and that uh, the, um, what do you call it, the, uh, uh, the, the Blazers in Wellington um, had this lined up and it was going to happen anyway. But um, yeah, uh, I, I can see Twitter has exploded saying, no, dear me, what a waste of time. But um, to be fair to him, he has had a difficult time of it. He's not had a, he's not had a normal se- two seasons in the same way that uh, everyone else has had before. Uh, and his 10-game um, ten, ten record is comparable to the other people. I think he's uh, won, won eight, lost one, drawn one or something like that, or, or drawn two. Um, so, yes, we'll have to wait and see um, what it is. Oh, boy, the, uh, the, the, the comments in the live chat are, uh, are going off about my comment about Razzie. Um, so, but anyway, um, thoughts on um, Ian Foster getting, uh, get, getting uh, two more years? Well, I think uh, you know, in Zidar, they, they they you know they went with stability. They didn't want to rock the boat, and particularly given what's happened, you know, with Delta coming in, and uh, it it would be it would be pretty cruel and heartless almost to not extend Ian Foster and his uh, coaching crew's contracts amidst all what's happening. And I I, I can't help but feel that uh, the uncertainty around the contract extension had something to do commingling with the players. Uh, uh, professional Players Association uh, with shifting the game. You know, I, I mean, I'm, again, I'm just purely speculating here, guys, but I think there's probably there was something to do with it in some form or shape. Um, now, look, Fozzie's, you know, lovely guy, very, very likable. Uh, the, the obvious negatives are, you know, he's not the most inspiring guy in front of a camera. He's not the most inspiring guy from a coaching, like, you know, the Winslow Body style coaching uh, manual. And you, you know, you obviously compare that against the uh, the person who was supposed to replace him or get the job is, you know, Razor Scott Robertson. Complete opposite, you know, lots of oozing charisma. You know, he's really switched on. You know, master the absolute master of creating team cultures. I've attended uh, a number of level three courses for uh, our senior coaches where I was assessing. And we had Scott Robertson come in and present the team culture component. Oh, it was incredible. You know, I, I recall there's one instance where he took the Crusaders flag and he, he built up this, this cauldron of a, of a speech and he, he slams the, the flag, the spear, right in the middle of the ground. And you could, you know, you could feel the drilling. You could really feel the drilling. So, you know, amazing coach. But um, you look back at what Foster has done. I mean, we just gave the Australians a 57-point hiding. Uh, so, you know, I, I can see what's happened. Everyone's just gone for the safety first option. But, but all it's going to take is a performance like what South Africa did to win a game or, you know, we, we kind of limp across the line in uh, Perth then just wait and see the drums will start beating and saying, oh, Foster is no good. You know, what, what pretty much said to me that um, 
Foster's pretty much a standard stock guy, and he'll listen to, and he'll basically pretty much toe the company line. Was pretty much when he was asked about that second test crowd at Eden Park, or should I say, the lack of crowd that didn't show up, and he pretty much shut it down straight away and said, "That's nothing to do with me. I'm here to coach the side." And I thought to myself, "Well, it may be nothing to do with you, but..." Surely you'd have a you'd have some sort of comment or angle angle on that, you know, that, on that opinion expressed by the journalist. But he pretty much shut it down straight up, straight away, and that pretty much said to me, "Yep, he he'll just toe the company line when he has to." Uh, and, and they that's that's most that that's what New Zealand rugby like, um, and we can and there are various board members that we. Uh, that we've talked about before, who are in, in, in that same kind of uh, kind of kind of place, who or people who are there, uh, who who, you, who you'd like to talk up more about various things, but they don't. Um, but um, I, was, I was also going to say, Rennie also questioned the processes as well. I'm pretty sure he's processed, he's he's questioned it publicly, and it's also, you know, word word also sort of came out that. Um, I think it's Scott Round that Scott Scott Robertson went through the process, and he and he obviously confided in a few people, who basically turned around and and muttered what he pretty much said. He said was the process, in his opinion, was a complete waste of time. Now that's probably the sort of stuff that you wouldn't want the to get back to the rugby union, if you know what I mean. So I I pretty much think they've got a guy that they've moulded, a guy that says all the right thing, and at the moment his record. Is, is is good enough, but you, you know my reasons why I don't think he should be in the job, but that reflects back to his first selection. On, on, on your point there, the Nocturnal Rights makes a good point here. Nice guy Ian Foster, but part of the old school mafioso. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, guys, one thing I have to say is with systems and processes, I think NZR has some fantastic systems and processes, no question about that. It's just how these systems and processes are executed and how they're actually put to fruition and how people put through it is where I think the question is, and that's probably what Scott Robertson come up with. Um, with Ian Foster and his crew, I think, you know, it's alignment. It's the at board level, culture level, you see that, you know, everyone's towing the line. Whereas someone like um, Scott Robertson, he's, he's from that, uh, it's almost like maverick school of coaching, like guys like Eddie Jones, and, and even, you know, Rassi falls into that category where, you know, they, 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 they create, it's, it's very much what you call story coaching. They're very, uh, they've got a very emotional connection with their group of players, with the group of support staff, anyone who comes into that fold. Whereas guys like Foster, very old school, you know, by the book. And uh, they say all, they say do and kind of nod all the right things, as you rightly pointed out, Paul. Yeah, an interesting one um, somewhere that I'm trying to. A comment that came out and one, one that uh, Stephen will have a little chuckle about, but uh, someone was saying, yeah, um, uh, here we go, LB says, can the All Blacks do the deed without Smith in the back room? Obviously, Wayne Smith be the person there. <laughs> That's the question. And um, whilst a lot of people are saying that Razor should have got the job rather than um, Ian Foster uh, two years ago and, and should now get it now, my, my approach would have been Tony Brown is the assistant attack coach and he decides who his head coach is. <laughs> so I, I would have hired the attack. I would have hired the assistant coach, and then decided who the head coach was, rather than hiring the head coach, who then hires his assistants. I think he, I think Tony Brown is the guy that they need that, that needs to be in that setup. Uh, he's, uh, he, I think he, he's a generational thinker and coach. I'm not sure I want him as head coach, um, but I do want him involved as part of the setup. 
Uh, so I think that, that that's how I would have gone about it. Um, but so, yeah, interesting one there. I, so Stephen I, and, and I guess and Boa, are you happy with the assistant coach setup that um, Ian Foster's put around him? Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, there are some <laughs> some 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 really cool stuff coming out of it. But at the same time, there's few things where, like for for example, uh, uh, defensive technique. Because uh, you know, you guys know I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm big on defense. Uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of inconsistent techniques. Whenever we have a bad game, it's all to do with the entry point and how many missed tackles we have, and we don't tend to front up physically. Fast forward one week, we we wake up, we come out of that shell, and then we just go absolutely smash everyone. And you put 57 points on the board. So there's a bit of inconsistency there. And I think that has a lot, that has a lot to do with the support staff, with the culture the head coach creates. Whereas if we had a head coach who had that real vibrant culture, bring, bring that real charisma on, we may not necessarily see the, that level of inconsistency. Now, I know Super Rugby isn't quite test level. But particularly with the Crusaders and what Scott Robertson has done, we see a large degree of consistency in the way they play, the way they defend, where their tactics are executed. So um, whilst that doesn't give you the complete answer, uh, there are bits and pieces where you have to really admire with the, with the current setup. But at the same time, there are some question marks. But I guess proof is in the pudding. If we can uh, see this championship through and get the silverware, then all of a sudden, Ian Foster will be the greatest coach ever. <laughs> well, you, you, you know, you know, for me, I, I've, I've got question marks about this All Black team's discipline, and I, and I've had that, I've had that for a, a real long time, and I don't know who, which one of the coaches is is basically in in behind working working on that aspect of the game because when um, I know when the first All Black team was selected, and they actually sat, they actually sat down. With um with Foster, they talked about the work-ons, and at no stage did he mention discipline, and that to me was was one of the real biggest disappointments. I mean, to say spoke about simple things like draw and pass, and I thought to myself, yeah, well, that's that's all very well, but if you if you're being ill-disciplined, you're handing all the ball over to the opposition team. I mean, to say the the Springboks won't have to play too much rugby when they play the All Blacks; they will basically grind. And they will pick up penalties, and a lot of the All Black penalties that we see, and Bowers rightly so, is not just tackle technique, but getting themselves offside. You know that, to me, that those they're both they're both fixable. Um, uh, that's that's the thing with me. That's what I will be watching really closely in this in this rugby championship to see if the the discipline improves. Because I think if their discipline improves then they're able to play their own game. If the discipline doesn't improve, it means the other team is playing with a lot of ball and can put them under pressure. To, me, to my mind, I've got nothing against any of the, um, uh, or, or no comment about any, any of the uh, assistant coaches individually. Um, but what I would say is that it's an extremely white male um, setup and that, uh, I, I, that there surely has got to have been a someone like a Spy Matson or someone like that who could have been as part of it. Um, to me, it's far too monoculture, which I think is a bad, a bad look. Uh, well, not just a bad look, but also bad. Uh, as you say, um, it doesn't. It, it leads to a stale environment rather than a vibrant environment. Uh, if you think about who Razor Robinson 
has brought in. I mean, he, he has his his coaching team has changed a lot um, while he's been there. But he's had Ronan O'Gara there. Um, he's also had Jones there. So Ronan O'Gara from Ireland, Jones from Wales. Uh, he's had other cultures, uh, even if they are the same, even if they are white guys. Uh, but there's been different cultures in there, which uh, which, which uh, who, who they're learning from and, and who are also learning their tricks. But I think it's just too, too monoculture for me. The, uh, the 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 coaching setup. That that is a great that is a great point. That just shows you, he's actually had the ability to bring other other people on board to actually keep the the the, the, the back staff basically freshened, if you know what I mean. So you've got to you've got to give him big big ups for that. And and no doubt the likes of Ogara and Jones would have brought a lot of ideas um, from the from the northern hemisphere. And it's and. You know, I, th- I think that's a great involvement for a coach as opposed for the coach who who basically could will stick to guys that he he knows regardless of the results. Yeah, yep. great points. Absolutely. And I, also, I just want to make a note, uh, the live chat, LB makes a very good point. Last game, Argentina and Springboks. Oh, those terrible penalties. I think what we're seeing is we're seeing a pattern where Teams are uh, more than happy to take the easy. So it's what I call the tap-out option, where they give up the penalty. They give up the three points because uh, for, for, for whatever reason, referees are very hesitant to dish out yellow cards for ill-discipline, uh, particularly in that first and second quarter, i.e. the first half. Uh, so most teams continue to do this, and they get away with it, and they're more than happy to give up three as opposed to five. And that's actually what's holding uh, the evolution of Test Rugby going forward, although all these new rules are coming in. And again, that's something which might need to be looked at, particularly in the championship where, uh, you know, I, I dare any of these referees to say, look, guys, second, third infringement, if you keep doing this, I'm going to the pocket. And then this will sort out a lot of things. Uh, Paul, great point about the culture. But again, this goes back to what I was talking about, that alignment between at board level, strategic level. You walk into NZR, it's just, you know, it's, um, it, it, it is what it is. So, guys like Tabai Metzen, you know, wow, well, you know, what a, what a great rugby brain he has. Uh, guys like Clayton McMillan, you know, amazing coaches. We have some fantastic talent on this. It's only a matter of time before, hopefully, we do see some change. And with Ronan O'Gara and Rez Robertson, I think Crusaders, particularly their kicking game, really improved tremendously, leaps and bounds, with O'Gara's connection coming on. Steve. Paul. Paul, here's a, here's a, a, a quick thing to ponder. <clears throat> I was reading, obviously, a bit of the social network um, when this was announced today that Foster had got the job. And obviously, there's a lot of people in the in the pro-Robertson camp or pro-whatever camp. But something that came out from a few people was Scott Robertson lacked international experience. Now, the only thing I want to say to that is had Russie Rasmus had international experience before he got the swing box? He'd had overseas experience because he'd been to Munster, but I don't think he'd had. Yeah, look, Rossi, Rossi had a terrible time at Munster. He just couldn't turn them around at all. But for whatever reason, um, you know, his 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 style of story coaching, he built that culture, built that attitude, and it really resonated with that group of players in the Springboks. Yeah, yeah that's 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 what. That, that's you say that, but I mean, Munster, Munster were more than happy. To, Munster were upset that he left. They wanted to keep him. So they thought he was doing good things, but it just hadn't borne fruit yet. So they liked what he was doing. But you know what? I like, I like Boar's point, how they were 
I mean to say, he was no mean Springbok himself. So I think there's a lot of respect from the players and that group of Springbok players is still young, young enough to know who he was and what he was all about. And they had that respect for him. I just think a group of All Blacks, <clears throat> I reckon they'd jump, over, they'd jump all over somebody like Scott Robertson because they know that he was an All Black. He'd, he'd been to the well. You know, like 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 they are at the moment, and I, you know, I just think he's one of those that people, like you said, with the with with basically the the conference that you had, and he held the flag up. He also, you know, even when you were telling me, God, even I was inspired just listening to you, boy. If you can't, yeah, get inspired by that, mm. you you won't get inspired by anything. Yeah, and then his and look, uh, one thing I would say, is Scott is a real humble guy. I mean, as I said, he started his coaching career coaching the Sumner. Rugby club under eights. And then he, he progressed. He'd done his time. He bided his time. And he's, he's been through the coaching rank system, particularly at the grassroots level here in New Zealand. And for that very reason, I got a tremendous amount of respect for these guys. So um, I guess we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. I mean, Fozzie is in the hot seat. He's, uh, he's got a real testing term coming up. And I think anything other than delivering uh, a championship and having some good, solid wins will not satisfy all the naysayers. Oh, I don't think they'll satisfy the naysayers full stop. I mean, um, to give, just to look, look through um, Razzie's CV, Free State Cheaters, Cheaters, Western Province, Stormers, so obviously uh, um, Curry Cup and uh, Super Rugby experience. Uh, also was South Africa Tech Advisor for 2007 and South Africa Tech Specialist in 2011. So had experience within that environment, but not. Uh, and then... Uh, Obviously, Munster, followed by um, uh, now with South Africa. Now, um, Simon makes a good point here. He's director of rugby. He's, and I've, I've been told off a few times of calling him the head coach of South Africa. But in all honesty, for me, a director of rugby is a strategic guy who is not involved in the day-to-day -day running of something. That's what a director is, right? As a guy running on the water bottles, he is involved in the day-to-day -day things. He is a coach. He is not a director. Um, so I don't care whatever you say. Uh, don't care what his job title is. He is a he is a coach involved on a day to day basis. Um, even if Neymar uh, has got the um, uh, or Jacques has got the uh, has got the title um, on uh, on that one. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's a very different job description. I mean, I've been a director of rugby in the south with the South Auckland club. My main task was to prevent our players from being imported to affluent clubs. So it's, it's, it's a very, very different job description altogether. And I, I have to say, it's, um, it's almost belittling the title of director of rugby. And I'm, I, was, I have to say, I was very, very surprised when I saw Rossi. So either he's completely mad or he's an absolute genius. Uh, but based on how they won the um, Lions tour, I'm sure the South African fans would be worshipping the man. Oh, sorry. I love, love, love uh, nocturnal rights one. Uh, Razzi um is uh, dispensing the magic potion oh uh, absolutely yeah the ast asterisk books quote there lb says don't underestimate jack's intelligence I'm, I'm not underestimating him i think wayne smith is one of the best coaches around as an assistant coach and was fantastic for the all blacks when he was assistant coach um and uh, yeah fine the defense might be part of jack's thing but still the overall vision and the head coach the, the guy who's running the show is razzy it's not jack's jack's is a integral part uh, and they've worked together for many years um, and they need each other, but uh, yeah, but uh, but Razzie is the boss. It's quite clear. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, so yeah, he's the director of rugby that tracks it. Well, he, he, yes, exactly. He's a coach. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> well, it's, it's um, all about it's it's micromanaging right to the bottom. And and to to respond to what LB says, yeah, absolutely. Jacques Nibir is a is a fantastic technician and a tactician, <laughs> but what Rossi is doing is completely overshadowing him, and he's just someone who happens to be somewhere, although he's the head coach. So I think this is where the real danger is. And if the Springboks come unstuck, this is one area they will have to really inspect. Because if you looked at this, the, the British and Irish Lions, uh, you know, all three tests, basically everything was being spoon-fed literally from the sidelines. Everything, every little detail was being micromanaged. So this is where the issues will pop up. And particularly if they come up against, uh, you know, uh, real game face, all black steam, and if they have a bad day in the office, questions will be asked, particularly in this area. Yeah, well, I, I, I think for, for, for those two, they're, they're, they come as a combined package. They're both monster together. Uh, they've worked together for many years. Um, you, 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 it's, I, I can't see Razzie getting rid of Jacks and bringing another head coach because they are, no, it, it's, it's to me, and look, this is obviously from the sidelines, from the other side of the world, making these comments, but for me, it looks like that they they are a they're 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 a package deal that, that comes in, um, and uh, yeah, they I say they need each other. Uh, that 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 um, it is shared success between the two of them, and they are very successful as coaches. Don't get me wrong um, on um, on that at all. Um, we've overrun, guys, and we've not even talked about one of the uh, one of my topics. I was going to that's going to be damning of. Um, of uh, of the um uh, of the of New Zealand rugby because uh, I'll just uh, want to talk about their hypocrisy very 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 quickly um here yeah yeah I'll do two seconds yeah we could do a three hour show on their hypocrisy but um the all blacks have uh, brought out some new jerseys um and um they're making a big deal about them being uh, recycled and everything and then they've gone and also signed a sponsorship deal for next year with the biggest producer of single use plastics in the world so well done um, the uh, uh, New Zealand rugby having a constant message there uh, and being on brand on uh, on that one. Um, so yes, uh, well done uh, for that one. Um, that's that, that's that my final. On. Sorry, you got that shot in, mate. Well done. Oh, <laughs> well, you it's. You, you you can't argue against I, it, you know. No, you can't. You can't. It's very. It's it. It does. It kind of doesn't make sense. It's, you it's like what I call it. Or you follow the or you follow the, follow the dollar, and um, look, woke capitalism. Don't look too closely. Um, <laughs> I, I I recall John had to. I told me off once, long long time ago. He said, "Son, don't try to sell a Bible in a brothel." That's what this sounds. <laughs> 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 and he got right through to me, and I was like, "Yep, okay, you got me there." <laughs> Didn't the jerseys rip up? You yeah, the jerseys did rip up jersey. as well. That's very bad. That was very bad, Aaron. Um, <laughs> Aaron's saying it's all about balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll throw it away, then we'll pull it back and recycle it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, dearie me. Uh, at the end of the day even people have money it's <laughs> just take it take their money off them um, <laughs> anyway whatever guys um it's been a pleasure uh, as always boys thank you very much for joining me don't forget folks that um i'm doing a, a little quick sort of 20 minute half hour chat at um 
uh, <laughs> remembered that time when he accidentally walked into a brothel. Yes, absolutely. Um, the um, <laughs> accidentally <laughs> the Bibles. Um, the um, but don't forget to join at five p.m. every day during lockdown. We're having lockdown beers uh, and um, uh, and a rugby chat. You've got to, you've got to have that five o'clock knockoff, guys. Otherwise, you'll end up working too late and uh, giving the big man all all his money, and uh, that uh, that you're not that you've and they're not paying you for it. So don't don't work overtime. Knock off and have a beer with me at five o'clock. That's that, that that's the message. Um, thank you very much, Stephen. No problems. Thank you very much, Boa. You're very welcome. Pleasure as always. And uh, folks, uh, don't forget. Yeah, catch you all next time. <laughs> Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 